can see my face and my little bun buns and let me start off by talking to you about yesterday when I got home from work the first thing that I did when I got home and I never do this because it's one of my pet peeves and I find it to be one of the most disgusting things in the world maybe if you don't live by yourself maybe I can make an exception for this pet peeve of mine but even with me I can't stand when I do it and I think this was the first or second time I've done it. I vaguely recall the first time. No, I don't even recall the first time if I did, but I feel like I've done it before. So we're just going to go with that and say that I did do it before so that whatever. I don't know why. But I was feeling like a sip of milk yesterday, just like a couple of glugs. Glug, glug. That's it. That's all I wanted. However, because... I was like, I don't want a full glass. I don't want to pull out a glass. I ended up drinking right out of the jug. Now this, and I have a, a little two liter one. I don't get a four liter. That's a lot for me. That is so gross, right? Because imagine if anybody comes over, not that they will, I don't have time, and wants to have coffee or tea. I've totally contaminated that milk with my nasties. You just never know. And I, I just, there's just something so savage and uncivilized about drinking milk out of a jug. Straight out of a jug, though? Ugh, why? Just drink milk like a civilized human being out of a glass, please. Well, I don't give a shit what you do, but I'm just saying, I can't stand that. That drives me nutter butters, yo. I just want to use a glass, but it really, I was like, 
this makes no sense. Why would I dirty a glass? That means when I do the dishes, I'm going to have an extra dish to do that I could have just avoided. And every moment matters. And the less moments I have to spend washing dishes, the better off everybody is. That's how it goes, okay? Anyways, that was how it started. I had such a fun day yesterday at work. You know, (laughs) I have this knack for kind of running around and laughing a lot and just terrorizing the guys. (laughs) Because I work with the best guys. They're all such sweeties, you know what I mean? And if they come in a little grumpy or whatever, I don't want to. I always giggle and like say good morning, make them laugh. Lately, it's been, I've been running around and trying to get video with everybody in a Snapchat filter. (laughs) And it's so funny that they have to put up with it or they do or they're nice to me about it and don't get mad at me. If they're talking shit, they're talking mad shit behind my back. But when I'm there and I run up on them and I'm like, (laughs) they are just like, oh my God. But then they give in and then they have a giggle and laugh. It was so funny. Yesterday we were having a problem with one of our guys. He's, He's black and he just for some reason... He would not get the reindeer antlers. You'll see. I'll post the videos in the front of these because they were just so adorbs. And he's like, it's because I'm black. It's because I'm black. It ain't showing because I'm black. So finally, I reversed the camera to use the front camera. And he finally got antlers. And we were like, yay. You needed those. You needed those. It's good to be the kind of person that likes to break up the monotony and just have a little bit of fun because people like to smile. You know what I mean? There's a couple of people that are known as grumps, but it really doesn't take that much to make somebody crack a smile. I'm always waking up in the morning and I've got that good morning energy. You know, it doesn't matter what time of the day it is. I've got good morning energy. I wake up. I'm excited to be alive. I'm so excited to go to work. I don't know what kind of freak show shit I've got going on inside me as a person to make me excited about these things but I absolutely fucking love waking up going to work getting ready going to work is like the highlight of my day isn't that crazy I have so much fun at work and we get so much shit done Wednesday is also a really fun day because my partner Michael who does the other three days and we both cross over on Wednesday together I call him my work husband. We just get shit done together. We make sure everything works. All our devices are where they need to be and they are easy to grab for technicians and stuff like that. Whatever we got to do, we try to do. And uh, we always end up having such a great time working. For the first time yesterday, we watched Zombieland during our break after we sat down and finally got a chance to eat some pizza that we ordered together. Yeah, that first sip of coffee is everything. Morning initiating juice. I appreciate coffee so much more these days. Sometimes I'll have two cups at work. And one of the guys is like, how much coffee do you drink? I don't know if that's the best thing. And I'm like, it don't matter. I need that awake juice. Give me that good morning juice because that's what I need right now. 
I need my good morning juice. I need the clicker. Let me see what's happening. Shout out to Talking Donkey. I hope you find your clicker. Get off my lawn. Yeah, there's the get off my lawn energy (laughs) that some people have. And then there's good morning energy. I am all about that good morning energy. Here I am. Hold on, let me just move this. And no. All right. Anyways, just got a little distracted there. Sorry. Was I talking about good morning energy? I will never understand people who wake up with that feeling of just utter dread. Oh, I just don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to be alive. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to go to work. Fuck work. Work's bullshit. It's like, maybe you should consider getting a job that you don't dread. Maybe it's time to consider a change in attitude, right? Sometimes you just say, I don't want to, and it makes you feel better. Cool, that's your deal. I'm just curious from my perspective, how that works or how that does not make your days longer to be in a mindset where you just hate it and don't want to be there. Nobody's forcing you. Oh, but I have to make money. Yes, you can make money other ways, right? So if you don't want to be creative with it and you're going to settle essentially for a job just because it makes you the right amount of dollars and uh, you hate it, Well, it's not going to be easy. Eight hours seems so long. Like I work a 10 hour shift and it feels like it's not even that long. Really, once you're you've hit the eight hour mark, anything after that just feels like whatever. It doesn't even matter anymore, you know, because why would it? You've already done eight. What's another two? It ain't shit, especially if you're having lots of fun and you work, you work with people who are wicked. It makes it a lot easier. And like, I just like, I, I can't help it. It's just the energy that I have. I come in, I'm hyper, I'm excited. I get to move all day. So I have, I just have energy. It keeps coming. My body keeps making it. When I'm at the office, it's it's the total opposite where I'm sitting and because I'm sitting, I just, I don't require the energy to do any great movement or strenuous activity. So my body just kind of like gears down and it's like, no, I don't think we need to burn this energy, let's store it, or let's just not. And then by the time I get up and off from the office work, I'm like, I'm tired, I don't want to do anything because I'm tired. And even though I didn't do anything and I shouldn't be tired, I am. Why? I will never know. But anyways, good morning energy. Have that attitude. You can't force yourself, I guess. It is what it is. It is what it is. Hmm. What else? I feel like by the time I went to bed last night, this is what always happens. Because I'm always excited to wake up in the morning. Because I'm like, oh, yes, I get to do a thought cast. And I get to talk. And I get to whatever. By the nighttime, I always have about a million things that I want to talk about in the morning. And then when the morning comes, those things kind of split kind of like they just they go away oh my little button I need it up why won't it stay up there we go I think this is the morning dew 
which is a really cool double entendre because it is the time of year where you go outside and there's dew everywhere and also the morning dew. <laughs> I usually come home and after work I shower. And when I shower, obviously, I have all this long, crazy hair, and it gets wet, and I can't blow dry it right away, because it'll just dry it out and make it gross, like, hey. So, I just throw it up in a one bun over here, and it just kind of sits there. You know what I mean? And I think it's part of the reason that I'm deterred from doing video in the morning, is because the hair looks stupid. And today I was like, I should just split that into two buns, because that's an actual hairstyle. Not that a bun isn't, but the bun that sits here. Not so much. That is just for, to keep all of it out of my way while I'm asleep. And I don't want to just, I just don't want to deal with it, you know. <clears throat> so I wake up in the morning. I let it loose after it's been sitting on my head for a while. And then um, we go ahead and we do it. We blow dry it a little bit and we straighten. We, the royal we. <laughs> Anyways. I wake up in the morning and I just have s silly shit to say. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'm inspired by, by something. And usually it's the things I think of the night before. But when I wake up and I just kind of forget, I don't know what to do about that. So, you know, you just go with the flow sometimes. And I think maybe the camera, maybe the camera makes me forget. Also, I'm really tired. I, I usually sleep in on Thursdays because after Wednesday, which is a heavy moving day, lots of stuff to move at work, lots of stuff to rearrange. And I did all of it last night because uh, the system was running a bit slow and we had to do some write-offs and some other things. Well, write-offs. That's just an easy way to describe it, you know? Working for a massive company like that makes a huge difference, though. You're always going to be good, unless for some crazy reason they just go under. Luckily, internet is not something that isn't considered an essential service these days, which is insane. I remember <clears throat> when the internet started. I remember the first time we got and the multiple times we got those CDs to have AOL dial-up internet. You remember dial-up internet? <laughs> it sounded like a car alarm. <laughs> it was always so funny to me. That internet stuff when we were younger and looking at it now where you just turn on the computer and there's like a little box here. It doesn't even look like anything anymore. My modem is just a box with a white light on it now. It doesn't have all the indicator lights of service or how fast the service is going or the blinky lights. Just a little box with a little light on top. Yo, I got the craziest internet package too. It's a shame I don't use it very much, but when I download, it is fast. Discounted employee internet is the shit. You don't even know, dog. You don't even know. Living like a G. <laughs> so that's a really cool thing that I have. Another thing that I got, um, which our company now offers, I didn't really need it because my house isn't really massive or anything, but I was like, you know what? 
it would be nice to have internet outside of the house too. So there's these three little pods that I got. What it does is it connects to the modem here and it actually strengthens and boosts that Wi-Fi signal. So now I, when I sit outside and if for some reason I want to stand a little bit into the alley over there, I'm fine for internet. My phone doesn't start disconnecting from it and it's just awesome. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. I'm in my room, full bars. No matter where I am in my house, full bars. And those little pods that do that, for the first week or so, they learn where in your home you actually hang out the most. And that's the pod that it automatically starts connecting you to for that fast speed internet. <laughs> I'm not even in sales. I'm just saying we got great shit. I love it. I love how as soon as I got there, I was just taken care of right away. Oh my God, it's just so good. Take a moment always to appreciate the things that you do seriously or the things that you have, right? How many days in a row do you have to wake up miserable in your life to finally be like, huh, maybe I would have a difference in demeanor or in mindset if I counted my blessings. Blessings is just for lack of a better term because I don't know. For, for what you have just seems a little bit lackluster. Blessings, though it has those religious connotations that make us all awkward, is a proper word, and I'm going to use that. I actually have no problem using these kinds of words because we don't always have words that describe concepts accurately, and I think that sometimes there is, there is a religious quality to everybody. Dude, people believe, as I talked about yesterday, in things that we know can't be true, you know? So whether you like it or not, you have a propensity towards religious thinking and believing things. And I don't believe for a second that anybody is immune to that shit, okay? I just don't. People like to think to themselves that they are. I know even I do. I'll be like, I rely solely on evidence. But sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I got a good feeling about today and I've got no basis upon which to place that statement or that conclusion that I've come to when I haven't even lived the day. It's just a feeling. And you know what's crazy about that is the placebo effect then comes into play and you can really trick yourself into telling yourself that it's going to be a great day even though you don't know and you have no idea what kind of factors could play out and screw up your day entirely. Just the feeling that you're going to have a good day can make you have a good day. Believing something is going to be good can make it good. And that is the complexity of life, my friends. We have no fucking clue. We have no clue how crazy our minds are at taking our perceptions and creating whatever the fuck it wants out of them. <laughs> it's wild shit. And sometimes I'm like, eh, you know what? I can let that delusion go when I think about it later. I can let it go. It's not a big deal. It's not like I have to hurt somebody else in order to feel good today, right? If that's not the line of thinking, I can let it go. I don't want to sit here and I don't want to. That's something that is really cool about having a brain. The placebo effect is really cool. It's not always the best, but I think that's everything. Um, one of the things that I think is always is really important to learn is there's no good or bad. There's only the way we think about whatever the thing is. 
Although when it comes to, I guess, hurting people, it's bad. It's not good. But I mean, not even all the time is that a plan. That's just something that happens, you know? Intent is challenging. Most of the time, people don't understand their own motivations to do things. So I tend to be a little less caught up in the results of things. All I know is if something happens to me and I don't like it and I don't want it and it's been shown to me several times or even once sometimes is enough, just put it out. Get that shit out of here. I need to find time, my friends, to put up my Christmas tree because it is the 21st of November. You know, what's so crazy is we were talking at work yesterday, like, you know, can you believe the year 2000 was 19, almost 20 years ago? Like, where did that time go? I remember being at a point in life thinking, God, I'm only 13. I wish I was 18 or 19 years old. I just want to be of legal age. And I just need to want to be an adult so badly. And then you get here and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> now I want to go back. Or, or if you're like me and you've kept the childish part of yourself, you would never guess by hanging out with me for the first couple of times or being around me that I was anywhere smart or any, any kind of just mature. Because I'm very mature and I have a lot of energy and I don't know how typical that is for people that are my age, but I get told that a lot. God, you have so much energy. How do you have so much energy? You're so happy all the time. I can't imagine that you're mad. No, I don't like being mad. A message that I get a lot lately is like, you're good at making people smile. Holy shit, if that is not the most fulfilling thing of my life. To make people laugh and to make them smile and to be somebody who, when they enter a room, people are people know they're going to have a good time, you know? Oh, and that that's just like, I'm aware of that effect that I have when I, when I see people. When I go see the guys at work, you know, like hugs, a hug a day policy. That's how I roll. I, I haven't really hugged everybody yet because I think some of them are weird about it, which I don't blame them. But some of the guys, I walk into work and I'm like, hey girl, and I just, and I give them a hug, ask them how their day is, send them off to go do their technician stuff. And then at the end, they come back, ask them how their day went. You know, it's like such simple little things when people feel like someone cares to hear about their day. And then also there's the running around and doing stupid shit and all the videos and just bringing a little bit of sparkles over there or wherever you know what I mean and that feels good like people want me around because they're like please come back it's gay when you're not there I missed you you know and I'm like no <laughs> I got this adorable email from my other boss when I came into the office last Thursday and it was just one line and it said, gee, I really like having you in on Thursdays, on Fridays. Everything feels so much better. And I just saw that email and I just kind of stared at it for a moment just to like, just to appreciate that someone appreciates my presence. You know what I mean? That shit is gangster, yo. It is so nice going somewhere and people want to see you. It fulfills me. It makes me feel good. You know, like 
Friday, Brian was having kind of a day and like I was just so excited to hang out with him. So I sent him a video as soon as I got out of work. I was like, freedom! I can't fucking wait to see you. I'm so excited. That kind of energy. And he was like, I have the biggest smile on my face right now. It has been such a meh kind of day. I'm so fucking pumped now to hang out. And I'm like, yes! That is what I'm here for. Bring the fun. I just want to have a good time wherever I am. It doesn't matter if it's work. It doesn't matter wherever it is that it is appropriate where I can have fun. I will make it fun. Like there are things that are tedious. We live in tedium most of the day. We're doing things we don't really want to do. We'd rather do other things. So it's like bring that fun energy. Bring that good morning sunshine energy. And it's not that I can even help it. It's just the way that I am. But I like when you start to get feedback about how it affects people and how they're happier and they enjoy having it, I'm like, yeah, it feels good. Makes me feel more confident. Makes me feel valuable. You know what I mean? How cute is that getting an email from your boss? Gee, it feels so good to have you in on Thursday and Friday. I'm so happy to see you kind of shit. So cute. I see him, you know, like he had shit going on last week. He walked into work that day too. On the Friday, the next day, as soon as he walked in, he was supposed to be at a meeting. It got canceled and it wasn't even here. It was on the island. Do you know what I mean? He walked in and I was like, well, good morning. Sorry about your meeting. How would you like a coffee? And he's like, I would love a coffee. You know, little tiny things like that. And I just get so much joy out of bringing the coffee. Can I get you a tea? Can I get you a water? Is there anything that I can get you? I'm going across the street to get myself something. Would you like something? People love those little things. Think about other people. And honestly, for me, it's so satisfying to make someone's day a little bit better and to alleviate a little bit of stress, even if it's just something as simple as, would you like a cup of coffee? To know that someone cares to make your situation better right now, it it actually really brightens people's days. And I'm telling you, like, especially at the warehouse, there's a couple of guys there who are known to be a little grumpy, but like, I've talked to them and like, they're, I don't even get that vibe from them anymore. So it's sweet. It's sweet what a cute girl can do in an office setting or in a warehouse setting with a bunch of guys who are just like, (sighs) no, (laughs) be happy and let's smile together. And at least while I'm here, I will try my best. I will feel the vibe out, see if you need something. If you say no, guess what, bitch? I'm leaving you alone for the rest of the day and you ain't got to worry about me because I'm not going to be screaming at you to lighten up. If I can't lighten you up by asking you how you're doing or getting you a coffee, and if I can't make you smile, I'll leave you alone. Okay? That's what I do. But holy shit, I gotta say, it feels really good to be that person. And it's really nice how, like, I decorated the warehouse for Christmas, you know? And, like, so many of the guys were like, it's never looked this nice. It looks so nice and festive in here. Thank you so much for doing that. We love it. And I'm like, Oh my god, you guys are so cute. Just silly shit they put up with for me too, you know what I mean? Like one of my managers from Surrey came over yesterday and we were doing some training with him and he 
is so fucking cool. He is so cool. I just love having him around. He's fun to learn from. He, he like, knows what he's doing, and I pay attention, and he cracks jokes and stuff. You know, it, it, like, breaks up the monotony of training and learning something new, too. And then you can associate those times, and that's how I remember some of the stuff he's taught me because he'll make a joke or he'll say something silly, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he said this when we were learning about this. This is how you do this. And that makes it a lot nicer. You know what I mean? And it's just so fun. He's such a great guy. And I'm lucky. I feel super lucky that I'm around people who have a pretty good attitude and who are fun to be around. We're just cracking up, making jokes the whole time. Like next week, one of our guys is leaving and we're having a going away thing. And he'll be there and he's like, 12 day, take the day off. We're going to get wasted. Well, I said, we're going to get wasted. <laughs> oh, my God. And tequila. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's so funny. He has like this old school phone. Dude, I haven't seen anybody with a not smartphone except for Mr. Boss Guy who has a slidey phone. That's how old it is. He calls it his burner phone. It's so fucking funny. He's like, I have an iPhone. And I'm like, I've never seen you with it. He just carries that slidey one. Remember T9 text? Brian and I were talking about T9 over the weekend. I was like, ew, I never used t9 why would i use that shit that's gay super super gay i just did the tap the letter three times and now we're all super spoiled with qwerty keyboards you know what the best qwerty keyboard was by the way the keyboard on the blackberry bold it doesn't matter what blackberry it was honestly the keyboard was always, always awesome. I used to type lightning speed on that thing. It's actually really funny. I was texting my other boss, my main boss yesterday, and he was like, apparently you can type faster than I can talk into Siri and, and say a message. I'm like, yeah, it is faster. It can't always hear you. Sometimes it messes up. And if you want to use punctuation, you actually have to say, I walked the dog, period. <laughs> it puts a period. Otherwise, it doesn't. And sometimes you have to say comma, and it'll put in a comma. But I feel weird talking to the phone, and I don't want to lose my, my thumbtastic abilities. Okay? Now that I've ranted and brought you some good morning energy, hopefully you can absorb some of that. Psh, psh, psh. Absorb some of that good morning energy! Whoa! I am going to read a couple articles, and then I'm going to stop. <laughs> okay, one sec. And I'm back. Let's see. Here's one for today. Extreme Democratic and Republican partisans display greater mental rigidity on cognitive tests. I mean, that seems pretty duh, right? I feel like if you're extreme anything, it doesn't just matter left or right. I guess it does because your political view kind of encompasses a lot of the things that you value and a lot of the beliefs that you hold. So I guess there's something to that. And I'm just being a dum-dum, but <clears throat> it seems very obvious to me that if you're hard right or hard left, let me do that again, hard right or hard left, that you're probably going to be a mentally rigid person. I would 
I would think that the people who are more in the middle are the ones who are more flexible. Not saying it's ideal or optimal. I'm just saying that that would make more sense. All right. New research provides evidence that extreme partisanship on both the political left and right is related to cognitive inflexibility. Our findings, which appear in the Journal of Experimental Psychology General, indicate that people's political identity is influenced by how they process basic information. In the current divided political climate, we have been taught to rely on the left-right political distinction as an essential thermometer of who is likely to think like us. But political partisanship, in fact, has two facets. Direction, whether our political beliefs and identity lean politically left or right, and extremity, how strongly and dogmatically we hold these beliefs and identities. I think it's super important to never stay too attached to an idea. You never know. You know what I mean? You always have to be willing to have your mind changed in some way because at some point as we continue to live on, some shit may change. You know what I'm saying? And you have to be willing to accept that evidence. So it's always good not to be too espoused to your beliefs or your views so that you have a little bit of flexibility should any information come in to disprove or change or alter whatever it is that you believe in the first place for the better, right? Right? Okay. Political psychologists who try to understand the psychological origins of our political views tend to focus on partisan direction and less on extremity. I was interested in investigating what we can find by studying partisan extremity and whether we can actually uncover surprising psychological similarities across the political spectrum when we do. A psychological domain that I've been particularly fascinated by is cognitive rigidity. According to the neuropsychological literature, an individual who is cognitively rigid tends to perceive objects and stimuli and black and white terms, and this makes it difficult for them to switch between modes of thinking or to adapt to changing environments. And that, I don't think, is a good thing. Especially in this world that we live in where information transfer is insanely fast. And not only that, um, things are ever changing as a matter of course. Nature is changing and adapting. Everything around us is changing and adapting. Our environment is changing and adapting. Adapting and changing is what organisms do to survive. Why would that also not work in a cognitive sense? If you live in an environment that has constraints, why would you not want to be acquainted with those constraints in order to live better within those parameters, those limits? You know what I mean? We reason that individuals with a tendency towards cognitive rigidity in how they perceive and react to the world generally might be more likely to be rigid and dogmatic about their political beliefs and identities as well, regardless of the partisan direction of their ideology, which obviously, right? So this whole, oh, it has to be black and white. You have to take sides. You have to be left or you have to be right. You're a fucking bitch if you're in the middle. 
No, actually, if you're rigid and you fail to adapt to changes, that means you're probably not as receptive to information as somebody in the middle who kind of wants to be reasonable and see as much as they can. And there is nothing wrong with not always having an answer for something. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, most of the time, I don't know is perfectly acceptable. So rigidity in any sense is never good. You're not the kind of person, I mean, some rigidity, yeah, right? That's what standards are. But that's different when we're talking about cognitive rigidity, which I just wanted to clarify because it's very easy to kind of misconstrue what I'm saying when I'm using terms like that. So I just want to make it clear. Um, That cognitive rigidity, I've never seen it as anything that's like, it's good to be strong, but it's not good to be rigid. Because if you're rigid, you're actually brittle. You appear strong, you appear rigid. But at bottom, it's there's brittleness. Because as soon as there's information presented that's antithetical to what you believe or what you view to be true, your reaction to it is going to be that of a rigid person and you're probably going to have a tantrum. Let's continue. (coughs) In the study, we invited 750 U.S. citizens to complete a multiple objective neuropsychological test that allow... We... Oh my God. Let's start that again. In the study, we invited 750 U.S. citizens to complete multiple objective neuropsychological tests that allow us to measure their individual levels of cognitive rigidity and flexibility. We found that people who are extremely attached to Democratic Party or the Republican Party display greater mental rigidity on these cognitive tests relative to those who are only moderately or weakly attached. Regardless of the direction and content of their political beliefs, extreme partisans had a similar cognitive profile. This suggests that partisans, oh, partisan extremity is psychologically significant. The intensity with which we attach ourselves to political doctrines may reflect and shape the way our mind works, even at the basic levels of perception and cognition. Notably, these findings would have remained hidden if we only considered whether participants were politically left or right-wing. One of the most fascinating questions that this research illuminates is that of causality. Does mental rigidity make it more likely that we identify with the political extreme, or does active engagement with politically extreme groups make us more cognitively inflexible? The answer is likely to be, as for most complex phenomena, an interaction of both. Scientifically, we would need longitudinal studies that track people over long periods of time to determine the cause and effect. Importantly, the aim of this research is not to draw false equivalences between different and sometimes opposing ideologies, but rather to highlight the common psychological factors that shape how people come to hold extreme views and identities. It may also help us develop antidotes to radicalization. If readers want to access the research, they can get it with the following link, Wicked. So I'll post the link for the article in the description of the YouTube video and in the summary of the episode in the RSS feed. So that if you would like to read that research, which I probably will at some point when I get the time, I can see what the study was all about and get greater detail. Because why not? That's how it works. I have never found that somebody who is incredibly rigid is easy to get along with in the long term they're just really not 
It reminds me of muscles, right? If you're not limber, you're more likely to snap a muscle or tear a muscle. That's why we stretch. That's why we do the yoga. That's why we do things that work our muscles to strengthen them. And we don't just, we don't just stretch right away. Because if you did and your muscles are brittle and you don't have them, they're snapping in half. You know what I mean? Flexibility is something that also needs to be practiced. It's kind of like accepting that things change quite often and learning to just kind of flow with things. Or you could be like me and be totally out of touch and a lot of things aren't going to hit my brain to cause me to think about anything too crazy to make any kind of change. But generally, I'm pretty open. If it's something that's going to improve my life, I'm going to do it. With this political stuff, I really personally don't believe that either side owns a good idea. Yes, either side has been associated with a few main points for their side. But I, like, for example, I don't think f being fiscally responsible, responsible is a Republican thing. It is just something the Republicans care more about, whereas liberals or the left-wing people care more about social ills and things like that. Um, I don't think either of those, those sides own that thing. I think those are important things to pay mind to regardless of what political side you take. And it's just super unfortunate that someone who is fiscally minded and cares about the, the growth of the country and that kind of stuff, the economy, is kind of forced into being a right-wing politician because that is more important to them than the social stuff and vice versa, right? It's just silly. How it's supposed to work is that the left and right are supposed to have their things they care about and they come together and find a way to balance out everybody's needs because the social stuff is important too. Not to the degree the extreme left is taking it. That's not what we're talking about here. But <laughs> And fiscal responsibility is important. But not to a point where every single social service is being cut and axed and removed essential things you know so there's a balance to be struck and if you are rigid cognitively you will have difficulty interacting with people who do not fall into your rigid mindset and this is where politics really fucks things up because it's really just a show politics is just the who was it that said this it is the entertainment faction of the military industrial complex i don't remember who said that but it was brilliant probably dan carlin because i've been listening to him lately i started that world war one um what was it <sighs> armageddon what was it the beginning of armageddon i don't know it's the world war one series it's like 26 hours long or 24 hours long or something like this and he says a lot of crazy shit. He's talking about the buildup of the first war and Gavrilo Princep, the guy who shot the Austrian prince. But anyway, I do digress. Let's go on to the next. Um. <coughs> Lonely, socially anxious millennials are more likely to use dating apps compulsively, study finds. No way. A new study in the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships suggests that lonely individuals may be at particular risk when it comes to the compulsive use of mobile dating applications like Tinder, 
which kind of sucks. I mean, it's fun to date and it's fun to do that. But if you're just hopping on those things because loneliness, which I guess is the motivation, isn't it? I don't know if that's the right motivation, though. You know what I mean? I mean, it works because people don't want to be alone and you want to have all the aspects of being a human because you don't want to feel lonely anymore. But unless you're really finding something meaningful, it's kind of hard to to be satisfied from the the continuous compulsive use of those things where you're just I don't know I shouldn't really talk shit I think it's actually good to find a way to get out and meet people it cuts out a lot of time but anyways let me just continue before I go on a tangent that is not even relevant I generally study relationship initiation and I'm fascinated by how technology can assist people in finding relationships particularly romantic relationships said Catherine Caduto the corresponding author of the study and doctoral student in communication at the Ohio State University. However, I also think that technology can be both good and bad, indeed, like everything, and that we need to think carefully about how we engage with all kinds of social media specifically. I had first-hand experience seeing people opening dating apps when out with friends, and I was curious about what might drive that behavior. In the study, 269 undergraduate students completed online assessments of loneliness, social anxiety, dating app use, and other factors. The researchers found that social anxiety was related to a preference to meet and talk to potential dating partners online rather than in person. But this... <laughs> Excuse! <clears throat> but this preference for online social interaction only predicted compulsive dating app use among those high in loneliness. In other words, people who agreed with statements like I feel left out and I'm constantly nervous around other people also tended to agree with statements such as I have made unsuccessful attempts to control my use of dating apps. The researchers also found that higher levels of compulsive dating app use was associated with greater negative outcomes such as missing class or work because of dating apps. Wait, because of going on the date after using the dating app or simply because of using the dating app? That's what it sounds like, which is cray. If someone is both socially anxious and lonely, it can lead to compulsive dating application use, which in turn can lead to harmful effects in one's personal and work lives. Kadido told SciPost. Lonely, socially anxious people are the most likely to have a difficult time controlling their use of dating apps as they are searching for connections that they haven't been able to find in a face-to-face -face setting. But a lot of use does not necessarily mean more matches or better matches. It's important to think about how someone is actually using the apps and how the apps are making them feel. The researchers controlled for factors such as age, sex, relationship status, sexual orientation, self-esteem, personality, and time spent on dating apps. But like all research, the study includes some limitations. One important thing to remember with the study is that we used a student sample, and so we're definitely limited in the age range that we studied. The study is primarily focused on millennials, and so we need more work to understand dating app use through a variety of ages and life stages, Caduto explained. We also only looked at the predictors of compulsive dating app use. We need more work to see if dating apps then impact social anxiety. For example, more works need to be done to actually probe whether or not constant swiping then leads to worse social anxiety or if just seeing possible connections can alleviate any of that anxiety. We just don't know yet. 
I would say that dating apps can be a great way to meet people if you are realistic about what they are. Just another tool for engaging. They are not a guarantee of a lifelong romance, much less a good one night stand. No shit. (laughs) Managing your expectations and regulating your use are important for successful app use. And honestly, I think that is a lot of the problem with our engagement with social media in general. I think people have a very unrealistic view of these things. People have gotten more depressed and millenniums even millenniums, millennials even more so because of what they think they're seeing of other people's lives and their friends and whatever are perceptions they then take and put together to create a narrative of and then that narrative is used against themselves. Why don't I have this? Why am I not like this? Why don't I have this? Why are they so happy and why am I not? You know, and it's very, very unfortunate. The dating thing is difficult too. Where When you're lonely and you want someone around just to compensate for that loneliness, you're entering that that area in a bad mindset anyways, right? You, you can't be attached to the result. And maybe you're the kind of person that gets off on just chatting with people. I know there's that too. But unless you have actual connections in your life, and unless you see people and have friends and are building relationships, that loneliness will never be compensated for. You will always feel alone unless you're trying to build something with people in real life or in general, You know, I mean, it's not like I haven't met friends online. I most certainly have. And I take those friendships seriously because those are real people. And I've maintained a connection with them over the last couple of years. And it enriches you. And I think I've talked about it before that the ultimate cure to loneliness is actually, yes, connection. But in order to get that connection, you have to be willing to be vulnerable with a person and just be real and not have expectations of things and just... Be human together. Go through the experience, man. Like, this is different for everybody. We do not get to choose how we feel. We just feel the way we do. And if we could just understand each other better and be ourselves around people and find a way to make that work. And if you like each other, maximize the time you spend. And if you don't, minimize, cut them out, do what you got to do. Make the decisions you got to make. But don't pretend that you're going to cure your loneliness by having these like synthetic, short-ass little conversations with people that you're not actually connecting with. It's just, what do I call it? Mm. What do I call it? I need to get my creative mental muscle going here. Creative mental muscle, please. Please help me synthetic is a good way synthetic it's like a synthetic drug of some sort you know it's a way that it's a it's a way you think you're getting connection but you're not actually getting connection it's just like a band-aid you know it doesn't solve the problem it just provides a temporary solution yeah just like drugs it's a temporary solution to a much deeper problem and then a lot of the time lonely people what they do is they run to things like cocaine and heroin because they want to numb themselves because they have nobody in their fucking lives that gives a shit human connection is curative okay vulnerability is curative being honest with your shit 
is curative. The truth is curative. And if you want to have a real relationship with someone and be real friends, you have to be real with them or you're never going to get that level of connection that you really fucking want that you haven't even admitted to yourself that you want. We are an ultra social species. The reason we have come into 2019 is because our ancestors cooperated, had connections. You know, back in the day, raising a child was a communal thing. It wasn't just everybody stays with their nuclear family and stays locked up in their house and don't talk to this person and don't talk to that person. People, neighbors and shit would take care of the neighbor's kids. And that is how people were brought up. And we we, sh- we shared. There was more altruism. There was more reciprocity. As I said the other day, it's a very interesting irony to me that we are just clamoring to have these devices in our hands that always tell us they're increasing our connectivity, they're making us closer to our friends or whatever, and really, it's putting more of a rift between our friends and I when you don't even use the damn things properly, you know what I mean? I, like I said, I'm like, I need to get into the habit of calling people more and just saying hi, being the voice that's like, hey, just want you to remember I'm here. Hey, good morning. Hope you have a good day. Hope you're doing good. Miss ya. Love you. You know, love you. You need that. People are shy of that shit too. Can't even tell their friends they fucking love them. Dude, you live one time. You know how good it feels to have that little rush of dopamine when your friend says, I fucking love you. I'm so glad to hear from you today. You know, thank you. I get that. I get little, little just bursts of dopamine, endorphins, all the good chemicals, that serotonin. It feels like I take bumps of MDMA when someone says, you just put a big smile on my face, Amy. I fucking love you. You're great. Yeah, I fucking love you too. And you're wicked too. And I appreciate you as a friend. Like my life is better because you're in it. And I've never felt better. Try and shake my confidence. Bitch, it ain't going nowhere. (laughs) You think I care when I have opinions of people who give a shit about me and who would tell me if I was doing something wrong? No, it's impossible. It's so difficult. (laughs) People are going to come at you with dumb shit every day. But remember, I was talking ages ago about this grilled cheese force field, right? Like I just... I've built up a group of people around me who I absolutely fucking love. I will do what I need to to maintain those connections because I know it keeps me healthier. It keeps me healthier. And in weeks like this, where I'm working seven days in a row (laughs) and I need to keep my head in the game, like getting, waking up and seeing a good morning text, that's it. My day is made already. Because people love me and people care. And I'm very, very lucky that for someone who is alone a lot of the time, well, not really anymore, I don't feel lonely. Loneliness is something that I made peace with a long time ago. And solitude is something I learned to appreciate greatly. And because I'm in that situation, I can appreciate my friends at a different level too. You got to spend time alone to really appreciate what it is to have a true friend, right? And if you've been down and out, not had friends before, and you're getting to a point where you're building that shit up, I highly recommend that you do. First of all, build friendships. Care about your friends, okay? Care about the people who are around. Life is short. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Inject as much enjoyment into it as you can. Yes, do it. Why wouldn't you? This 
is ubiquitously ubiquitously good advice. This is good advice, I'm telling you, okay? You're talking to someone who came out of a severe depression, wanted to kill themselves, felt so alone in this world, like nobody would understand, and things have really turned around for me. And now I'm on the other side of just that fucking utter darkness that I was experiencing for so long. You know what I mean? And it's crazy. I'm glad I had that because without the depth of that darkness, I would not have the depth of the the bright light that is me and my life now. So you can try, dog. There's still demons running around. There's still darkness around, but never will it overtake the light. And here it is again, that biblical language, right? Of heaven and hell, lightness and dark. It always comes back to that. And you have to remember, this This is the part that I had to suck up and deal with, is that we speak in metaphors a lot. And when Jordan Peterson talks about religion, he talks a lot about the metaphorical aspect and the way that we're trying to describe concepts for which we didn't have language before. So... And I cannot deny that I engage in the usage of this kind of language because it's useful. It has utility in describing things and making it easier for us to understand what those things are. I'm not talking about a real light or real darkness. I'm talking about abstract concepts. But anyway, a chat for another time. I hope that you have a great day today. It was nice to see you. Actually, you're seeing me if you're on the Patreon, which by the way, If you are around or if you want to know how to find me, links are in the description, my friends. Um, If you like the video versions, which I'm probably going to start doing more of now because now that I've figured out how to do my morning hair and don't look like total shit and can tolerate the light in here. um, And also just because I I like my backdrop and shit. Like I got a cool green screen that's hanging on the wall and I got this really, real nice. Hold on a second. Let's go back here. We got this real nice brick wall back here and it's just, I have this thing with this neon theme and I just absolutely love it. And um, it's all here. It just looks better. People like to see people's faces, right? That's what I've uh, gathered. I know I certainly do. It's nice to see somebody react and stuff in real life and it's nice to see their face move and it's nice to have some sort of connection with somebody being able to see them. It changes the experience. So it's available for you if you like. Um, It is behind the $5 a month paywall. So if that's something you're interested in, link is in the description. If not, that's cool too. Just keep coming by. And if you're listening, know that I appreciate your ear a lot. Okay? I appreciate you, motherfucker. I really do. You're awesome. Have yourself a great day today. It is what? Thursday? Oh, Friday Junior is here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I just went Disney Bieber on you for a minute there. Anyways, motherfuckers, have a great day. Big, 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 big kisses and heart hugs. Have a wicked day. Bye.